Awesome, awesome. Good morning. How are you? Good? Good, good. Please find your way. Chapter 5. Look at John. Slowly walking through there. Have a disclaimer before I start. I know that there is great, great wisdom in the youth and teenagers. And so one day this week, I got off early from work and I came by the house and uh, Katie was over there and Sweet T was teaching her some math or something. So I went to him and I said, hey, I got a choice of doing three things at this moment. I could study for my sermon. I could take a nap or go play golf. Katie told me to go play golf. <laughs> There's wisdom in youth. But if this sermon is not what it should be, <laughs> Katie's sitting right there. You can talk to her afterwards. John is proclaiming to the world that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus Christ is God, he says. And in this letter, we see that Jesus is revealing who he really is to an increasing number of people. Started in chapter one with he is, he was with God, he is God. And John the Baptist says Jesus is the Lamb of God. The disciples said he is God. Jesus clears the temple to reveal who he is to Jerusalem. Nicodemus, the teacher of Israel, receives a teaching from Jesus, and Jesus makes himself known there. He then goes to Samaria and reveals himself to the woman at the well, and the whole town understands that Jesus is God. From there, he goes to Galilee. He heals the nobleman's son. That man and his entire house now believe that Jesus is God. Here in chapter 5, we had the healing of the man outside of the sheep gate. And, that, and it was there that Jesus makes this incredible claim that we will study today to the Jewish leaders. An incredible claim is that he is equal with God. To me, this is the climax of the gospel. Jesus claimed to be equal <laughs> with God, and he claimed to be God. Does it get any higher than that? Who, is, who he is could not have been said any clearer. His actions, his teaching, his signs all point to who he is. He is God. With his own words, Jesus says, I am God. And that claim, like we talked about last week, forces everyone to make a choice. Is Jesus God, like he said, or is he a lying lunatic? Either Jesus is truth or he's a liar. There's no middle ground. And as we all know, knowing who the real Jesus is has eternal ramifications. So last week, we began to look at, a, at the authority of Jesus. But in order to understand the authority of Jesus and who he is, we had to look at the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. And this is how Jesus presented his claim by telling us about his relationship with the Father. So let's look at our text. Verse 19. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. As the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given authority, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor him just as they honor the Father. 
Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. So we saw last week how Jesus can not do anything on his own accord. He only does what the father is doing. Jesus never acts independently of the father. He, he cannot. It is impossible. It is inconsistent with his nature. Why? Because the father and son are one, as Jesus says. The, the perfect harmony that characterizes the joint working of the father and the son stems from the absolute unity of essence that they share. It is key in knowing who Jesus is that we understand that God the Father and God the Son are one. And so verse 20 says, for the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. Now, this text made me uh, ask a question, and it made me do some research right here. If the Father shows the Son all that he is doing, if Jesus is omniscient, then why did Jesus say that he did not know the hour of the day of his return? Why did he say he didn't know? Well, my wheels start turning, so I'm looking, and I, I started searching. And maybe this will help us understand that. In order, to an, in order to answer the question, we first of all have to see Jesus for who he is. Jesus is fully God, yes, and Jesus is fully man, yes. Throughout scripture, the word ascribes human attributes to the person of the son incarnate while also identifying him according to his divine nature. An example, Romans 1, 3 through 4 says Jesus was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness. We all know Philippians 2, 6 through 8. It says Jesus was in the form of God and also was in the in human form. So if someone were to ask you, was Jesus in the form of God or in human form? Was he a descendant from David or is he the son of God? Your answer would be both. Yes, fully God and fully man. You see, in the Bible, we have statements of omniscience about Jesus during his earthly ministry. And those, refer and those reference his divine nature. And then we have statements of limited knowledge, which refers to his human nature. Theologian Wayne Grudem explained it this way. Jesus learned things and had limited knowledge with respect to his human nature, but always, but was always omniscient with respect to his divine nature. And therefore, he was able anytime to call to mind whatever information would be needed for his ministry. So Jesus is the son of God, but in his humanness, there was limited knowledge. You remember in Luke when Jesus was a teenager. His parents can't find him. Where is he? He's in the temple and he's teaching. Listen to what happens there. Jesus says, why, why were you looking for me? Do you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. Here it is, verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. You see that? Jesus, the man, increased in wisdom. 
One thing I want the, all the teenagers here to know, that if there was ever a chance for a teenager to know it all, it would have been Jesus. But he was not a know-it-all teenager because the text says he increased in wisdom. So if Jesus was not a know-it-all teenager, then rest assured, you don't know it all. You must increase in wisdom. And the parents said? <laughs> I remember those days. I saw a bumper sticker. So I wish I was a teenager back when I knew it all. <laughs> That's true. So knowing the time of his return was not needed for his ministry. God does not want us to know that information about the, about, about the return of Jesus. But you do, you know how I always say, there's some things we don't know, so we have to go with what we do know. And God has told us a lot about the return of Jesus. The word says Jesus will come from heaven with glory and power. It will happen suddenly. It will be visible. It will be audible. <laughs> Jesus will return with angels and saints at his, sign, at his side. It will be bittersweet because Christians will rejoice and unbelievers will weep at his side. God tells us a lot more about this glorious event, but one thing he does not tell us is when it will happen. But we know when it can happen or when it will happen. It will happen at any time. We know that we know that it can happen at any time, but no one knows the exact time. No one. That is except the Father, the Spirit, and now the Ascended Son, our Redeemer, to whom all authority in heaven and on earth has been given. Jesus may not have known the day or time of his return when he walked on this earth, but we do, and it can happen at any time. And that knowledge should govern how we live our lives. Amen. And not only that, but just like Chris said, our time may expire right now. That should govern how we live our lives. All right, so let's shoot that rabbit and move on. All right, verse 20. Back to verse 20. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. So we have true love here. The Father, out of love for his Son, shows him all he does. The Son shows his, shows his love for his, father, for his Father by obeying him perfectly and does whatever the Father does. So think about this. By Jesus being obedient to the Father, doing exactly what the Father is doing, he is revealing the Father to the world. By doing the Father's deeds and performing the Father's will, he is unveiling who God the Father is. One commentator said it this way, the very obedience and dependence that characterizes Jesus' utter subordination to the Father are themselves so perfect that all that Jesus does is what the Father wills and does, so it is nothing less than the revelation of God. That's why Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So a love that is so indescribable is revealing through Jesus what the, deed, the deeds of the Father. And Jesus says, in greater works than these will, will he show him, verse 20, so that you may marvel, for the Father raises the dead and gives them life so that the Son gives life to whom he will. Now, the son, in obedience to what the father shows him, will perform greater things, he says. I had a question. 
great, greater things than what he's already performed. I mean, just, just look back. Think about it. Look back. Look, look at what just happened at the sheep gate that day. A man has been paralyzed for 38 years, complete healing. When Jesus spoke the word, that's a pretty amazing feat. And there's something greater than that. Jesus did, did, did not even go to the nobleman's house where the son was dying. Jesus said, he's fine, go ahead. And at that very moment, the one who was on the verge of death is made whole. What did the teacher of Israel say to Jesus? Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can what? Do the signs that you do unless God is with him. So whatever Jesus was doing, whether it was turning water into wine, showing his omniscience, healing people, making people whole again, they were all so amazing that everyone knew it was of God. So think about that. The signs, the teaching, all that Jesus did were so amazing that everyone said, man cannot do these things. It had to be of God. It has to be of God. And Jesus turns around and says, greater works than these will he show him so that you may mark. Greater works. What can be greater than all that Jesus has already done? And the answer is life. Physical life and eternal life. Verse 21. For the father raises the dead and gives them life. So also the son gives life to whom he will. You know, Jesus just keeps raising the bar at the temple that day. You know, Jesus claimed that he was equal to God the father. He claimed that he was God. He said that the father and son have love for one another. They do the same works. He does the will of the father. And then he says this, for the father raises the dead and gives him life. And so also, also the son gives life to whom he will. Claiming that you can give life like God is a whole new level. That's a whole new level. And Jesus says, you know what? It's going to happen. So that you may marvel. You may think what I have already done was of God. When you see me giving life to the dead, you will be amazed. You will marvel at my works. You will marvel at my works and at God's work. You know, that word marvel, which is used several times by Jesus when he was talking to the religious leaders, should have sent them right back to the, to the book of Habakkuk. They should have known this. Listen to this, chapter 1. Of Habakkuk. Oh Lord, he's crying out. Oh Lord, how long I cry for help and you will not hear, or cry for you violent, or cry to you violence and you will not save. Why do you make me see iniquity and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me, strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth, for the wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. Listen to God's answer. Look among the nations and see wonder and be astounded. Look among the nations and marvel and be marveled. Why? Why does he say that? He says, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if I told. This is being lived out at the temple with Jesus. Listen, God answered Habakkuk and his response amazed the prophet. The prophet marveled at God's response. Why? Because God told Habakkuk to look around, Habakkuk could look around and see that the Lord was at work and had always been at work. But you would not believe if you were told, he says. 
How did this confrontation start here in the temple? You remember verse 16? And this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. And Jesus answered them, my father is working until now and I am working. They were working. The son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing for whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. They have been working, Jesus is saying. They are working and they will be working and greater works than these will show him. These will he show him so that you may marvel. Just like Habakkuk, the people there that day would not believe if they were told. You see, the blind religious leaders could not see what Jesus was doing. They could not see the work of God because they did not know the Father or the Son. They didn't know either. They should have marveled at what the Son had already done. I'm hoping maybe some of them did marvel, especially when they saw the resurrection of life. I don't know. But I know that day they could not see the work that God was doing. They could not see that Jesus was God. They could not understand the, the plan of God that had been set in place the whole time. God has been at work the whole time. And we have to know that. The crowd, where are you, God? What are you doing here? Why is this happening? I see all this injustice. At peace. God is at work. Now, what they did know was this. They knew that only God and God alone had the power to give life or have the power to raise the dead. They knew that. But they could not make the connection that Jesus was making for them, that Jesus was indeed God. No matter what he said or did, they would not believe. Jesus, is, Jesus being God is where it all breaks down for the Jewish leaders. Watch this. Every, everyone knows there, there were some things that only God can do. Whether you believe in Jesus or not, there are some things that only God can do. The Jewish leaders had three things that they said only God can do. Deuteronomy 28, 12. The Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, to give the rain to you, to your land and its season, and to bless all the work of your hands. So only God can supply the rain over the earth. No man can do that. Genesis 30, 22. Then God remembered Rachel and God listened to her and he opened her womb. So they would say only God can open the womb. Man has no control over the womb. So only God has the keys to the heavens and give rain. Only God has the keys to the womb that gives life. And only God has the key to open the grave and raise the dead. Ezekiel 37, 13. Now, if Jesus had done all of these things and proved he held the keys, they still would not believe he was doing the work of God or that he was God. Jesus, the one born of a virgin birth. Jesus, the one who controls the heavens and calms the storms. Jesus, the one who called Lazarus out of the grave, holds all the keys that qualifies him to be God. He came to his own, and his own received him not. For the Father raises the dead and gives them life. 
so also the Son gives life to whom he will. So let's look at that power. Think about that power when it comes to life. Now, creating life or giving life to the dead is the ultimate show of power, right? I believe everyone would agree with Captain Obvious. Life is essential to having life. You, you can't argue with Captain Obvious. He knows his stuff. I would say this. There's, there's nothing more important in life than having life. Amen? Pretty important. Too often we take life for granted. We don't consider where life began or where, where life comes from or how life is sustained or more importantly, more importantly, what happens after life. In other words, everyone who has been given the gift of life should ask themselves, who holds the key to life? Because the one who holds the key to life is the <laughs> one with ultimate power. You know, man, man thinks he can, he, he created a lot of stuff. But we haven't created anything. We just take what God has created and, and put it together in different ways and think we created something. We haven't created anything. I, I like the story about Satan is up there talking with God. And, you know, of course, Satan thinks he is God and wants to be God. And he claims that he can create life like God did. And so God says, here, go ahead. Go ahead. Create life. And Satan reaches down and grabs two big handfuls of dirt, thinking he's going to create life. And God says, whoa, 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 whoa. Use your own dirt. Get your own dirt. The truth is, only God the Father is the creator of all and the sustainer of life. The truth is, Jesus is the creator of all and the sustainer of life. They are one. That is who they are. I like the point that Pastor Jared brought up last week, you know, when I spoke about the essence of God and how the father and the son are of the same essence. And Pastor Jared pointed out that the essence of who the father and the son are is this. They provide salvation. They save souls from eternal damnation. They give physical life and spiritual life, something that only God can do. Only God can do that. And, you know, if we took a little short walk through the book of John here, it confirms this about Jesus and life. I believe we can see a theme if we, that runs through this letter. Starts in chapter one. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Three, verses 15 through 16. Those who ever believe that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Chapter 4, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Here in chapter 5, the for the father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Chapter 6, 33, for the bread of life is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. 640, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. Verse 68, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, to whom shall we go? 
you have the words of eternal life. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Chapter 11, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though that he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And of course, we all know chapter 20. But these things were written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. There is a theme that runs through the book of John, and it is life, giving life, sustaining life, eternal life is the essence of God, the Father, and the Son, something that no one else has. No one else has that. Knowing who has the key to the physical life is important, but it's even more important to know who has the key to eternal life. And as we can see, that is Christ. He has the key to eternal life. Jesus is equal to God the Father, equal in works, equal in love, equal in power. That is a giver of life. And now we have equal in judgment. Verse 21, for the Father raises the dead and gives them life. So also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. I bet heads were spinning when Jesus made that claim. When he said, the father judges no one? Are you kidding me? They're flipping pages in chapter and verse, please. They probably went to Genesis 18, 25. Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked so that the righteous fare as the wicked. For be that from, for be that from you, Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? Who's the judge of all the earth? It's God. The psalmist speaks many times of God judging the whole earth. It says, let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for, sing for joy together. Before the Lord, before, before he comes to judge the earth, he will judge the world with righteousness, he says. So the Jews knew that God and only God was qualified and had the power to judge. And Jesus is standing before them on that day and says, the father judges no one, but has given, has given all judgment to the son. That truth may have not made it into the hearts of the people that day, but the truth is the son's ability to give life is coupled with his right to judge mankind. They go hand in hand with Jesus. The Father has placed this end time prerogative in Jesus' hand. He has given him all, he has given all judgment to the Son. Jesus, the Son, is the only one who is qualified to do this work. Why? Because in order to judge rightly, one must have absolute knowledge and perfect righteousness. He must be able to, to, to discern the thoughts and motives of men's hearts. So that makes Jesus, the son, the only one who is qualified to judge, and all judgment has been given to him. Judgment, true judgment, 
has to be done by God. Jesus is God. Side note, that's why we're not to judge. One, our judgment is tainted with sin. We are not righteous, nor do we have absolute knowledge. Two, we're not able to truly know the thoughts and motives of anyone's heart. So we leave the, all the judging of men to Jesus. We are to be discerning, yes, but do not judge. Now, I'm not judging these religious leaders back then, but I was just wondering as that squirrel ran outside my window, what was going through their minds? What's going through their minds? Here is Jesus claiming to be God, claiming to be equal with God. And he says, God has given me, has given all judgment to me. The scriptures tell us that their hearts were full of pride, selfishness, self-righteousness, and hatred. They wanted to murder Jesus, right? They, they knew what was in their hearts. They knew that. And they're standing before, and standing before them is a man who has been doing things that only God can do. And he says, I am the one who is going to judge you. I'm not sure how they were feeling that day, but I do know how we should be feeling today. That Jesus speaking back then is the same Jesus who would judge us. The same one. The exact same one. We are no different than those religious leaders back then. That's why we examine our own hearts. We confess sin. We flee from sin. We desire to be more like Christ. We check our motives at all times. We humble ourselves before a holy, holy, holy God. We love our neighbors. We love God. We don't let sin rule over our lives. We make God our king and let him reign in our lives. Amen. We are just like those religious leaders back then. One day, we will all stand before Jesus and give an account. Now, someone may be going, hey, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Jesus is judging? thought Jesus was love. I remember back in chapter 3, Jesus said himself in verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So he didn't condemn, or maybe you're thinking, in chapter 12 rings a bell, if anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. So where's all this judgment coming from? Well, if you keep reading in chapter 12, Jesus' words, he says this, the one who rejects me and does not receive my words as a judge, the word that I have spoken will judge him on that on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. So even the words that Jesus speaks will judge the ones who have rejected Jesus, even his words. The words that God the Father has given Jesus are truth and will be part of the judgment to come. But judgment was not the primary purpose of Jesus coming to the earth the first time. No, he did come to save. 
But on his return, on his return, he will bring judgment on those who what? Who reject him. On those who reject him. John 3.18 says, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Write this verse in your margins, Acts 17, 29 through 31. <clears throat> being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and the imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now, listen to this, but now God commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. God is going to do the judging. And how is he going to do that? Well, he's given it over to Christ. But listen to this. He will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom, had, whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Here's how you can know that he judge that he can judge and he has the power to judge. He has risen. The tomb is empty. Christ has risen from the dead. He is alive. He is sitting at the right hand of God the Father. And at the perfect time, he will return and he will come back to judge. We do not know the day nor the time, but we do know that Jesus is coming and we have to be ready. We have to be ready because on that day when Jesus comes to judge, on that final terrible day of judgment, those who have rejected Jesus will hear Jesus say these words, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. For those who do not honor the son will hear these words, away with you, you evildoers, I never knew you. We must give honor to the son. He is the one that saves. He is the one who gives eternal life. For the father judges, verse 22, no one, but has given all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. This is one of the most important verses in the Bible when it comes to the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Throughout scripture, we are taught that God alone is to be worshiped. It's in the commandments. You shall not have, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. And yet, here in our text today, in the word of God, it says that we are to honor the son just as we honor the father. No jealous God would allow that unless Jesus is God. The deity of Jesus matters. Jesus is God. He is equal with God, equal in nature, equal in works, equal in power, equal in judgment. He is God and will receive equal honor. 
You know, throughout history, many people have claimed to worship God, but deny that Jesus Christ is God. They say he's a good man, like we learned a couple of weeks ago, a good teacher or more godlike than any other man that has ever lived. But these verses put him on, a, on absolute equality with God. And these words of God require that men should give him the same honor which they give God the Father. It's not hard to understand if a person does not honor the Son, then he does not honor the Father. In other words, it's useless to claim a love for God if one does not have the same love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Useless. Verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hear, hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. For a second time here, Jesus introduced his words with the solemn, barely, barely, or truly, truly. More than 20 times in John's gospel, you will find Jesus using this solemn form of address. He is saying, hey, pay attention to this. What I'm about to say is very, very important. Truly, truly, I say to you, he's saying, pay attention. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Pay attention, he says. This is important. Jesus holds the key to life and judgment. Search your hearts. Search your hearts today. You've heard his words. Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is the creator and sustainer of life? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God and that he alone provides salvation for the soul? Do you believe that Jesus is the savior of the world? Do you believe that Jesus is the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world? Do you believe that Jesus is indeed the son of God? Do you believe? Because Jesus says, believe and pass from death. Believe and have eternal life with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Believe. Pastor Jeff? 